The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. It is July 11th. We are going to be ranking the Green Bay Packers offensive positions. We are going to see which are the best, which are the worst, according to yours truly. We're also going to talk about the best decision Mark Murphy never made. And then we will talk about when the Milwaukee Brewers are going to get a participant in the home run derby, it's been a while. Remember, Christian Ellis was supposed to be in it, I believe in 2019, and had to pull out because of the back injury. Uh, so it's been a very, no, was he in 20, 2018? Must have been in 2018. But anyways, it's been a while, and we're going to talk about that. Also, a question my wife posed for me uh, about the home run derby that we'll talk about as well at the tail end of today's show. Before we get started, just a reminder, on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, TikTok, threads, as well as Facebook. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are new to the program, welcome. We welcome everybody. Uh, everybody's welcomed here. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, we're wherever else you get your podcast. I know some people listen on Overcast, Google Play. Uh, you know, we are where the people are for not. We certainly should get there. I am thinking about a way to get us onto YouTube. I will say that uh, I've YouTube's reached out, uh, they, which I think they do to all podcasters. So I'm not fucking cool, okay? But I, I know that they want more podcasts on YouTube. It's just a matter of I do not, <laughs> I don't film myself when I do this. Uh, we don't have a studio. Uh, we, I do not have anyone working with me uh, to cut up podcast clips, which. Honestly, like that would be a dream. And if there was somebody who was interested in that, somebody who had the time to do that, who wanted to do that, let's talk. Uh, Snowtap12 Gmail uh, is my Gmail. You can also DM me on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, I would be very interested in that. Uh, I certainly have the equipment to do it, uh, but I don't just have, I don't have the time at all, uh, which is a bummer and that's just life. And we've talked about that. Let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers. I told you guys that we are going to talk about football. I told you guys that I would bring football to the table after a very baseball-heavy Monday podcast, which you can go back and listen to uh, if you did miss it, if you were off that day, if you didn't have time to fit us in with the other podcasts, uh, go back and listen. The Green Bay Packers offense is going to be one that I think will have a lot of criticism. I think it is going to be much maligned uh, this year, at least to start the season. I think there are going to be a lot of haters. I think the national pundits are going to be very skeptical that Green Bay can pull this off. Now, if Green Bay were to add a DeAndre Hopkins, which they have not been in any of the rumors, it seems like it's between the Titans and the Patriots. I kind of curious why Hopkins has not selected a team, but that's here nor there. Uh, but if the Green Bay Packers do not bring in a veteran wide receiver, I think there's going to be a lot of hot take artists that kill the Packers and think the Packers are going to be this awful team because their offense doesn't look to be an elite level group. And I can understand some of that. I have question marks myself, and I think these rankings will sort of speak to those question marks. But I also think what needs to be considered is that the Packers do have a lot of talent on this offense. They have established talent, too. They have guys who have been pro bowlers. They have guys who have been all pro players. They, they have good, talented players. It's just a matter of how they utilize them. And I think 
that's the part that's getting lost in the national media discussion around the Green Bay Packers is that I think this is going to be a new look offense in a variety of ways. I expect the Green Bay Packers to be a run-heavy football team. I think Green Bay is going to run the ball a lot. And I think they're going to try to make Jordan Love's life as easy as possible. And they are going to succeed on the legs of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I do not expect an all-out aerial assault with Jordan Love week one. If they do that, I will be shocked. I think Green Bay is going to be run first. And it's going to fuck a lot of people up in terms of a national media discussion. Because... The Packers, for as long as I think everybody has been around, have been pass first. Since the days of Rodgers, since the end of Favre, the last time the Packers really were a run-focused football team was probably in the Ryan Grant stages of Green Bay. Uh, So maybe a little bit of McCarthy, I guess, would be in that Ryan Grant discussion. Uh, But like Dorsey, like the West Coast Early Favre was a, a balanced attack, right? Favre still won MVP. Favre still put, threw up a ton of numbers, but they also had a hell of a running back combination with Dorsey Levins and Edgar Bennett. Like that still was a legitimate backfield. It wasn't like the Brandon Jacksons and the James Starks of the world. Like the pa- I can't pinpoint when the Packers, you know, sort of lost having that established back, but it was really. I feel like Ryan Grant was the last one. I'm on green, I think is maybe the better example now that I'm sort of racking my brain that I'm on green was really a lead guy for the Green Bay Packers. And it was a combination of him and Favre in this balanced sort of West Coast adjacent attack after Mike uh, Holmgren had left. So we'll start there because I think number one, it's the running backs. I think the running backs are really fucking good for this team. Aaron Jones is always underrated. Aaron Jones has been underrated his entire career. Aaron Jones does not get the respect that he deserves. He is one of the best running backs in football who has also played with one of the best quarterbacks in football in Aaron Rodgers. And so I think the disrespect for Jones comes from that. I also think the fact that he is not a bell cow. He's not a guy that's carrying the ball 25 to 30 times a game limits sort of the exposure that maybe the national media pundits have. But Aaron Jones is a guy that I I think can be not only the leader of this team, but be the reason why Green Bay is succeeding. I'm not saying Aaron Jones is going to win MVP. I don't think a running back will ever win MVP. But if the Green Bay Packers win 11 or 12 games, I think there will be a real conversation that Aaron Jones should be offensive player of the year. Now that is like sky high. That is like blowing the expectations, okay? I don't want you to think that I expect 11 or 12 wins out of the Green Bay Packers. But what I'm saying is Aaron Jones, I think, has a real chance to be very successful. Now, you always worry about injuries with Aaron Jones. That has been a problem throughout his career. And again, that might have limit the exposure, as we talked about, for the national media to see what Aaron Jones can do. But I do think that the run-focused approach that the Green Bay Packers will have this season will pay off in a big way for Aaron Jones. It will also pay off for A.J. Dillon. Now, I have went all over the spectrum with A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon and I have had a very interesting relationship. 
I think for a while, I felt like A.J. Dillon was trying way too hard to be the Donald Driver of this generation. I think there was a marketing agency that sold him on the idea that you could be the next Donald Driver and build your roots here in the, not only in the city of Green Bay, but in the state of Wisconsin, and that everybody's gonna love you. And it came off a bit cheesy at first, and no pun intended there, honestly. But after seeing it again, after you know writing the children's book, after just sort of seeing another summer of it, I really think that deep down, AJ Dillon is just a good fucking guy, okay? Like I, I just, sometimes, there are good people in this world. And I, we are always way too cynical. I think social media has made us into assholes. Like, and, and I could go for a hundred minutes on that topic alone. But I, I, so I think that kind of affected how we felt about AJ Dillon on the field. Now, AJ Dillon's production was up and down last year. There was some plotting from AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon was not, you know, the guy from the year prior. We felt like there was an AJ Dillon breakout happening, going to happen in 2022, and it did not come to fruition. I think there was a thought that AJ Dillon would get the baton from Jordan, uh, sorry, Aaron Jones, but they they didn't go that route. They kept the Jones and Dillon combination partly due to Jones taking a very team-friendly deal. And the only running back that understands how running backs are treated in the NFL. I'm not saying it's right how, how running backs are treated, but that's just the nature of the business in today's National Football League. Sorry for those running backs like Melvin Gordon who've bitched about it. I You should have been born 10 years ago. I, I I sympathize with that because if I was born 10 years ago uh, than what I was in 1988, I probably am hosting a larger podcast, a larger radio. Like my life's completely different, but you know, that's life. Maybe it isn't, maybe it isn't. Maybe I'm fucking selling insurance or doing something else. Who knows, right? So I think with Dylan, to get back to that, uh, I think AJ Dylan can have a bounce back here. I think he showed glimpses. I think the... Run first approach is going to help. I think the smash and dash of the Green Bay Packers is going to benefit AJ Dillon. I, I think that he is a threat out of the backfield. I think the Green Bay Packers in year two of the pony uh, formation where they have Jones and Dillon in the backfield together, I think they can do more. I think also having a run threat with Jordan Love makes that pony formation a lot more dangerous right because there could be zone reads where Jordan Love could keep the ball and run the ball for 15 to 20 yards and you just did not have that with Aaron Rodgers so that makes that pony formation a little more successful I will not be surprised if Green Bay goes back to it week one and it's it's part of their offense I know it did not do well last year but this is a new quarterback again this is a new mentality so I I do I'm in on a AJ Dillon bounce back here I don't know if I'm my chips are all in, but I, I'm definitely more in AJ Dillon's corner than I was last year. I was I was hard on Dillon. I I am not I'm not as hard on him to start the year. And maybe that's just June or July sort of football fan where you just love everybody. And then those, those frustrations and and turmoil will build as the as the year goes on. A uh, number another thing I want to point out with the running backs that shouldn't be discarded is Tyler Goodson. Now, I don't know if Tyler Goodson will make the team, 
But Tyler Goodson, I think, is a very good scat back third option for the Packers. He potentially could be your backup kick returner. Uh, who knows if he if Keyshawn Nixon is going to take back both kicks and punts. But I am in on Tyler Goodson being a legitimate third option for the Green Bay Packers and basically having a another version of Aaron Jones in your backfield. And he's a hard runner, Big Ten runner, knows how to run in the cold. I really am high on that Tyler Goodson as a potential underrated depth, depth piece to the Green Bay Packers. And if they are going to be this run first team that I think they will be, there's a case to keep Patrick Taylor or a fourth running back. There, there really is. Because if you're going to use these guys in terms of 20 to 25 carries a game, you're going to need some support there. Or if you want to balance out their carries and you don't want them carrying the ball that much, maybe a guy like Patrick Taylor actually is on the active roster and they roll with four running backs, which would be unheard of, again, in this generation of Green Bay Packer football. And I, I think... The sooner you get to the idea that it's a new era of Packer football, I think the better you're going to be. Number two is offensive tackles. I am cheating here. I'm not going to do the whole offensive line. I I think the tackles are great for the Green Bay Packers. They have David Bakhtiari, they have Zach Tom, they have Josh Nyman, who are legitimate NFL starters in the league. David Bakhtiari, I know there were some people who thought he might get traded. I had a buddy over the weekend ask about Bakhtiari getting traded. I just don't see it. I don't know why they would rip out any more veterans from this team unless they were trying to tank. And if they were to trade Bakhtiari, I think that would send up a red flag on what Green Bay's intentions are this season. Because to me, that would not seem like it's a team who's trying to win football games. Uh, David Bakhtiari has embraced the veteran leader role. He's worked, talked with the media. He was part of the Bustin' with the Boys uh, Beer Olympics with Tucker Craft, the young tight end rookie for the Packers. I I just think that David Bakhtiari is ready to sort of establish himself in the leadership role. He's not been the most popular on Twitter, uh, which... That's fine, right? Like every, people are going to have different opinions. And I know that has bothered some, but that's just the way it goes, okay? These guys aren't robots. I've said that since Jermichael Finley uh, was in a Green Bay Packer uniform. You can't just expect everybody to have your same fucking opinion. But yeah, as for other things, uh, not to go into a complete rabbit hole there, uh, Zach, Tom, Josh, and Iman are very good players too. And Zach Tom's going to probably get the first look at right tackle, but I expect Josh Nyman to compete with him. And I think Josh Nyman will come in ready to go at that right tackle position. Josh Nyman has a contract to earn. He saw what those offensive tackles were making, you know, this past off season. He's going to want to try to beat Zach Tom out for that right tackle position. That will be an awesome battle. And it's a great problem to have an extra offensive lineman that is ready to go. And, could Green Bay, if they were like, hey, we really need a veteran wide receiver, we hate what's out of the market, could you dangle Josh Nyman for a potential wide receiver? That could be on the table. I have no idea what receiver that would be, but it's just me you know, using my brain, thinking about it a little bit more uh, because, yeah, Josh Nyman's going to be in high demand. And I think that's where the decision on Bakhtiari is going to come in. Do the Packers stick around with Bakhtiari? Do they try to move on from Bakhtiari? Do they keep, you know, Nyman and then cut Bakhtiari because the cap hit will be a little bit less? But I I really do, I do think you're going to see, you know, Josh Nyman work his ass off to win that right tackle position. I do also think, though, 
in the same, I have the same congruent thought that Zach Tom could have a rocket ship year and, and be a damn near all pro. I think Zach Tom has a ton of skills. I know he's undersized. I don't think it matters. I think Zach Tom's a legitimate option for Green Bay. And worst case scenario, he might end up being the right guard or and move running into center. Who knows, right? Uh, but I, I do think Zach Tom has a chance as well to have a really good season. And I, I know the thought, it's like, well, Charlie, they can't both have a good season. Man, you never know, right? You don't know. What if Bakhtiari gets hurt again? And then Nyman's on the left side, Tom's on the right side. I, I think that they are in a really good spot at offensive tackle. Number three is the interior offensive line. Uh, I, even though I was like, oh, I'll break out the line, they still ended up 2-3. Elton Jenkins and John Runyon are pretty good. Jenkins, much better than Runyon, but I, I didn't really have any memories of being mad at John Runyon last year. I couldn't couldn't recall. I'm sure there were. I'm sure if I looked through my notes, I'm sure there were games where John Runyon had a, a low golden keg score or something like that. But I, I, they're few and far between. Uh, he's done a really good job. Uh, Jenkins, you know, all-pro guy, really started to come into form in the back half of the year. Felt like he was fully recovered from his ACL injury. Uh, so awesome stuff with both those guys. And then Josh Myers, not as good, right? Josh Myers really struggled last year. I think the Creed Humphrey thing hangs over Josh Myers' head in terms of Packer fan thing. He doesn't think about that, but we do because Creed Humphrey has been awesome for the Chiefs, was drafted the pick after uh, Josh Myers. That would be like the Brewers uh, yesterday when they drafted Brock Wilkin. Uh, Braden Taylor, the third baseman, drafted right after and becomes an MVP for the Tampa Bay Rays. We'll always think about that. That's I would I, maybe that's a little strong of an equivalence because Creed Humphrey's never going to be an MVP, but you get the idea, right? Packers could have the best center in football, but instead they have a middling center in Josh Myers who might not win his job. So I do think that Josh Myers needs to be better. And if he is, that could vault them. I don't know if it vaulted pass tackles, but it makes this offensive line a lot better. And I think that's one of the bigger question marks to start the year is will Josh, My Josh Myers keep his job and sort of show some of that progression that I think everybody's hoping that he does. Number four is the wide receiver position. Still an unknown, but I, I do feel pretty good about it. I'll be honest. Uh, you know, Christian Watson seems like he is on the trajectory to be a stud, to be a star number one receiver. I think if Christian Watson stays healthy, he is going to have a breakout year. I think there are people probably in the fantasy community that are going to tell you, oh, be careful, Christian Watson, because of Jordan Love and yada, 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 jerk off, jerk off, whatever. Like, shut up. I, I don't. I, I don't care about fantasy when it comes to just the the nitty-gritty of the Green Bay Packers. And Christian Watson, I think, if he is healthy for all 16 games, he is going to have a really good year, even if maybe the numbers aren't perfect. Uh, the deep threat option, the, the breakaway speed, they have something with Christian Watson. It was on full display at the back half last year. There is a connection with him and Jordan Love. And I think you're just going to see only good things with Christian Watson. I'm not worried about the drops. I'm not worried about really a lot of things with Christian. I, I feel very good. I, I think if we were to do a podcast on who do you feel the most confident about, 
in the Green Bay Packer organization, Watson's up there. And I think the only things that he gets ticked off for are the drop, not necessarily the drops, the injuries more than the drops. I think it's the injuries and like a dash of drops, right? I, the drops seemingly went away as the year went on. Romeo Dobbs and Jordan Love really have a connection. Uh, you can see that in the OTAs. I think that if you want to get fantasy, like that's the guy to draft is Romeo Dobbs because I think Romeo Dobbs has all the potential of a, a breakout year. He did not probably have the rookie year he had hoped for. There were moments for him, especially early on. Uh, and then he had some injuries in his own right. Uh, but I, I do think Jordan Love and him have a real connection. And I, I think it's going to pay off for the Packers. I, I'm not going to go as far to say it's going to be Rodgers and Nelson. But it, it does give off that vibe a little bit of like, it always seems like Jordan Love is finding Romeo Dobbs open. And that's... It's hard to put a price on that. They have a real chemistry, and that's a really exciting thing for Green Bay. Now, for the other rookie rookies, or for the rookies, not the two-year, the one-year guys, uh, Devontre, Dontrarian. Oh, God. I, my fucking glasses keep slipping. My fucking face. Don Travian Wicks or Jaden Reed obviously could take a step and could pop for the Green Bay Packers. And then that makes the Green Bay Packer wide receiver room probably a little bit better than number four, right? Uh, we just don't know what we're getting out of Wicks, what we're getting out of Reed. I feel better about Reed, I think, than I do Wicks uh, just because Wicks had some drops. But I, I still like the talent. He screams Packer. I, I know the Packers know what they're doing with some of these guys who might have a ding or two on them and they take them in and they're like, all right, yeah, we're going to mold you into a hell of a football player. And I think Jaden Reed being a second round pick, Green Bay drafting him above some of the other wide receivers that were available, they obviously see something there and they see that Jaden Reed can be successful in this system. And I, I, I believe that to be the case. And he's going to be the slot guy. He's going to get an opportunity to start out the gates and we'll see how he responds to that. And if he responds well, uh, all good things for Green Bay. And if he doesn't, you know, that's where the veteran conversation comes in. And then there's Samari Torre, who's going to be a training camp favorite. We'll hear so much Samari Torre content. It's going to make your head explode in the month of August. Uh, we'll see if he'll make the team. I, I think right now you'd peg him to make the team. But you never know, right? If he has bad camp, then he's probably not going to make the roster. And, but I, the potential's there. And even though he's a little older, I don't think that should matter. I think you should just trust that Torrey could be a reliable part of the Packer wide receiver core. Number five is Jordan Love uh, and, and the quarterback position in general. I, I know this might seem low, uh, but I think the wide receivers are a little bit more known than Jordan Love, right? Uh, we saw flashes with Watson and Dobbs last year. Uh, we have not seen that with Jordan Love. Well, I guess the Eagles game, but that, I mean, that's such a small sample size, right? And I'm not ready to just say, okay, yeah, he's better than Christian Watson. He's better than Elton Jenkins. He's better than David Bakhtiari. He's better than Aaron Jones. Like, no way, man. Uh, I still think that the sky's the limit for Jordan Love. I think everybody is in Jordan Love's corner. I feel like that really fucking matters. I, I know that maybe it doesn't feel that way, 
But I, I truly believe they have a better team chemistry than what we saw last season. And I think they're going to work their ass off for Jordan Love. And they're going to do their damnedest and, I, and make Jordan Love a better quarterback. And if everybody else is right about what they've seen out of Jordan Love, then it's going to be a lot of eating crow for the Lions fans, the Bears fans, the Vikings fans, the national pundits, even Aaron Rodgers in his own right, right? But I, I truly believe, and you can say there's a tinfoil hat, you can say whatever you want, and maybe this is a case to put love higher. I believe that Aaron Rodgers did not, did not go out with an injury or... I believe that Aaron Rodgers, with his thumb injury, did not miss any games because he was worried that love would explode onto the scene and then everybody would talk about Jordan Love. And Aaron Rodgers wanted to gut it out and look like the hero, look like the gladiator, instead of giving love an opportunity. And you could say that that's way too anti-Rodgers, that that's like some of the pundits that you see online in the independent media world. But I, I just wonder, how, I've, I've thought about that more and more as we get further away from the season. I've started to just like wonder, man, if he really was that hurt and the Packers had Seneca Wallace or Matt Flynn back there, would Rodgers have missed the game to heal up in a guy that he didn't feel threatened? But I think Rodgers felt like he had to play every game because if he didn't, Love might take his spot, which could have been true, could have not been. Like, he could have really struggled against the Jets, for example, and everyone would have been out on Jordan Love. And then it's like Aaron Rodgers comes back to reclaim his throne. Like, Aaron, we need you, we need you, and feeds his ego. But, you know, he, he didn't want to take that risk. And I, I think that's real. And I, he would never answer that. You could never answer, ask him that question. But I, I do wonder that a little bit. Number five is or are the tight end position. Good grammar there. Uh, tight ends, man. Uh, who knows what you're going to get at this point. Uh, you have Josiah DeGuerra. You have Tucker Craft. You have Luke Musgrave. There is a lot of potential there. Uh, DeGuerra could end up being more of a fullback type for Green Bay, especially if we are playing out this run-first fantasy. Uh, but I, I do think that they, they can be successful for Green Bay. Usually you don't see rookie tight ends succeed uh, year one. That's not necessarily something that happens often in the NFL. I think that's the overall worry. Green Bay, it might behoove them to get a veteran tight end more so than a veteran wide receiver and make sure that you have somebody there in case this shit goes sideways. I do expect Green Bay to do something in terms of a veteran pass catcher before, before the first preseason game. I will, I will put my, stake my flag in the, in the ground that they will have some sort of veteran pass catcher by the first training camp game. And then he'll, he'll probably get hurt, and then he will be back at square one uh, at the start of the season. But let me know your rankings. Hit me up on Twitter, Tabby the Keg, or Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram with your answers. Uh, maybe I'll put it on threads too. Uh, trying to use threads more when I can, but I will tell you, it's very hard to manage three social media accounts. It's even harder to manage four. Uh, so little uh, little food for thought there. Uh, anyways, let's move on. We're going to stay with football. We're going to move more to like a blend of college football 
and the NFL. I'm sure you've seen the Pat Fitzgerald story that he gets fired from Northwestern uh, with the hazing allegations. It seems like it's going to be very messy uh, because he's hired one of the top, you know, athletics lawyers in the country who was part of the Supreme Court case. uh, And it seems like Fitzgerald is intended to bleed Northwestern dry. Very interesting to see how that all transpires. I am not going to give you any opinion on it. I haven't dove, dove into a lot of it, but I will, I will just leave that there. The reason why we're talking about it in the Wisconsin sports world is because there was a thought that maybe Mark Murphy would have hired Pat Fitzgerald to be Green Bay, the Green Bay Packer head coach. Uh, Pat, if you remember, back in 2018, when the Packers fired Mike McCarthy, a lot of people thought that Pat Fitzgerald was going to be a front runner for the Packer job because Mark Murphy was the AD who hired Pat Fitzgerald. And Mark Murphy and Pat Fitzgerald have a relationship. Mark Murphy is a Northwestern graduate, played football at Northwestern. This was his guy. So a lot of people thought that Mark Murphy was going to bring in his guy when he fired Mike McCarthy. That did not happen, thankfully. I think, you know, would these hazing allegations have came out five years ago if the Packers had hired Fitzgerald? Who knows, right? Uh, They may have, they may not have. But I, I think it's more about that Pat Fitzgerald is, you know, it, it could have led to something. And if he had this kind of culture, even if it's not to the level that this player is saying, which is how some have accused and it, you know, there's two sides of the story, right? Uh, that it's not as significant and it's just sophomoric locker room stuff, whether it was a statement made by, I believe his name is like Edmund Soto or whatever, Soto or whatever it may be, as well as I heard from Tom Fernelli on CBS Sports, who I would trust pretty independent, down the middle guy, that it really wasn't to the level of extremes as maybe it was made out to be. And that's part of the reason why Fitzgerald is you know, getting his legal team and all this stuff. But I do wonder, you know, it could have went really sideways for the Green Bay Packers had Fitzgerald taken over. Fitzgerald was never going to be an NFL coach. He was one that was respected like an NFL coach, but I think everyone worried that his sort of old school brutish mentality as we leaned closer into the player, player empowerment era in the NFL, which is no, nowhere near the NBA. It is not even close, but there's still of a respect of needing a player's coach, needing a guy who understands this, needing to know there's not a my way or the highway. Could you imagine a tough Irish Catholic Midwesterner and Aaron Rodgers? I do not think that would have worked for one fucking second. And so it's a decision that really paid off for the Packers if this was the type of culture that was festering at Northwestern, even if it wasn't to the levels of maybe what's been accused. Or if it was, and they find out the opposite, then it would have been even worse. Who knows if Fitzgerald would have been able to handle adults, right? 
like actual professional adults. I shouldn't should say that the college kids aren't adults because they are. They're 18 to 22. But how would he have been able to handle pros if he could have barely handled, you know, college athletes? Would we have seen a situation that would have been similar to Urban Meyer at Jacksonville? I don't think it would have been that bad. But I, I just wonder, did Mark Murphy know that Pat Fitzgerald wasn't cut out for it? I believe he interviewed uh, for the job, but nothing really ever happened with that. And they sort of moved on. And it was never it was never really a, he was never a final candidate. And I think Mark Murphy did it out of courtesy, did it out of hopefully, you know, draining the Wildcats for a little more money, as that always happens when a guy interviews for a college coaching job or a head, head coaching job in the NFL or another college coaching job that is. But there was obviously something that held it back from Murphy doing the full court press. So we have to give Mark Murphy credit on that. And and I do think that the retrospect on Mark, Mark Murphy is going to be very interesting 10 years later because Mark Murphy got the NFL draft. Mark Murphy stood his ground in not trading Aaron Rodgers until he absolutely had to, even though Rodgers was heading into his you know office demanding that Brian Gunacus get fired. Mark Murphy didn't do any of that. Mark Murphy stood tall and did not cave in to their diva quarterback. And you have to give Mark Murphy a little bit of credit. Do I think everything Mark Murphy's done has been a good thing? No. But do I think that Mark Murphy has been savvy when his back's sort of been against the wall a little bit? Yeah, I have. And the easy route would have been to just hire Pat Fitzgerald. That would have been what everyone was expecting him to do. Go look at any of those early Packer coaching candidate articles. Pat Fitzgerald is prominently featured. And again, maybe these allegations don't even come out, right? Uh, that they, this doesn't this doesn't happen and we don't know about this. But if this was the kind of stuff that, you know, had a tendency to go on in the Northwestern locker room, that's that raises a bunch of red flags for what might have happened in an NFL locker room. And we might have not seen, the Packers might be in a way different spot in 2023 than they are right now. Because all it takes is one bad coach, one bad GM to fuck everything up. And that's that's always your internal worry as fans, right? Uh, and, and like, look, I, I know that this is completely unrelated, but that's your somewhat worry with Adrian Griffin, right? If two years of Giannis left, I think Giannis is going to come back. I have no doubt that Giannis will be a buck for life. But if Adrian Griffin fucks things up, which I, I really don't think is going to happen, who knows, right? Then then there is a chance that, that that's on the table. So Mark Murphy, credit to him. Uh, good decision. I will also be curious to see if he pushes it. Depending on how the legal stuff plays out, would the Packers bring Pat Fitzgerald as like a quality defensive assistant for the year? Would Mark Murphy push that for Matt LaFleur? I don't think we have enough evidence and enough things to have an opinion on that. I think we should wait to see how this all plays out in the next month, month and a half, uh, and see where it goes before having a take on that. But it would not surprise me if after, you know, or whatever Mark Murphy finds out, if there isn't a call placed to Matt LaFleur saying, hey, Matt, you sure you don't need a little more help defensively? 
uh, because I, I know a guy. Uh, that would be certainly interesting. And then maybe this is an entirely different podcast statement st- segment. But we will uh, we'll save that for if it happens or when it happens. All right, let's move on to the Home Run Derby topic. Uh, so Home Run Derby happened on Monday night. Uh, home Run Derby is a very interesting event. It's fun in round one. Round two, it kind of stinks. Round three, you're kind of out on unless there's a storyline. I will be honest, I didn't really have much care once Julio Rodriguez was out. That sort of sucked the energy out of the out of the tournament, right? Uh, I think Luis Robert hits more dingers. I think Randy Rosarena, not necessarily the type of guy that would get to a home run derby final, but he got there against Vlad, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And Vladdy Jr. took home the crown as the home run derby winner. Now, the question that I posed at the start of the show is, when will the Brewers have another home run derby contestant? I believe Yelich was the last one. It did not go well. And will the will the Brewers get somebody in sooner rather than later? So I took a look at the nominees and a lot of the home run derby competitors, let it be known, it's guys who are hitting a lot of home runs or they are a notable face in the game of baseball. I do not think Christian Yelich will be back in a home run derby. I just don't think that Yelich will hit that amount of home runs to really sell on the idea that Yelich could be in a home run derby. But I do think there are guys next year, barring that everybody stays it stays there and it'll be hosted at the Texas Rangers Stadium, that you could have Roddy Telez. Roddy Telez is a big personality. He's a fun guy to watch. Everybody loves a big guy, you know, cr- crushing dingers. I don't know how Rowdy would do with the timing. That's a lot of stamina for the big fella. But I, I do think Rowdy could have a, you know, a successful derby run. Willie Adamas is an electric factory. Willie certainly could be part of it. Uh, he, again, is more in that Rosarena camp of a skinnier guy. Not necessarily a dude who you expect to be a competitor in a derby, but has a lot of power and could, could make something happen and would be an infectious dude to have as part of your home run derby broadcast. Joey Weimer is the other one. And Joey Weimer has a ton of power. Joey Weimer fits the profile of guys like Adley Rushman and Luis Robert. And it's, it's Luis Robert, actually. But if you want to call it Robert, I, fuck it. I'm going to do Robert. Fuck it. Uh, we're going to go Robert. We're a Robert podcast. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the kind of guy you get with Joey Weimer, Pete Alonso. Like that's, Joey Weimer is as much of a meathead as Pete Alonso. Like, Pete Alonso is a little more of a tryhard than Joey Weimer, but Joey Weimer has that meathead ability in him. So I, I do look at Joey Weimer as a definite candidate for the home run derby next year if one of those guys mashes somewhere in the 20 to 30 home run range. That's that's the other thing too. Like none of those guys are going to get the automatic invite if they want it, right? Uh, you're going to have, you know, Julio Rodriguez, I think, as long as he is competent, he's going to get invited to the Derby if he wants to participate. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to get invited if he wants to participate. Pete Alonso is going to get invited if he wants to participate. So you're already like, well, you're at four guys already. But I, I think baseball wants to sell sell those guys. Shohei Otani, I think, will, if he wants to enter, he has a all-time sort of, I want to be a part of this. Same with Aaron Judge. 
Now, granted, they do have to have decent seasons, and they can't just they can't just be a schlub, right? They can't just be uh, eight home runs on the year. I don't think they are getting invited. But I mean, Vlad only had thirteen, but the metrics kind of told you that he should have had more this season. It's just they haven't left the the ballpark. So for the Brewers, I just think you're going to need more because you're the Brewers. You're not necessarily in that stardom category. Now, Jackson Trio, different story. I think if Jackson Trio bursts onto the scene and he fits the profile of a Rodriguez or an Acuna at Tatis pre-steroids, I, I think Tatis should have been a part of this, by the way. I know why baseball wouldn't do it. I know that they didn't want to have that conversation. But Tatis, come on, man. Like... At some point, we're gonna to need to we're gonna to need to break that barrier. I don't know when, I don't know how, but we're we can't just shun Fernando Tatis Jr. for the rest of eternity. Like that can't happen, in my opinion. But that's my quick soapbox. As a Ryan Braun supporter, like we can't have Tatis not be a part of All Star Weekend, especially when he deserves it. Uh, definitely one of the stubs of uh, this year's All Star Game. But anyways. If Trio has that sort of impact, right? Trio will be invited to home run derbies. People will want to see Jackson Trio. Jackson Trio will be a young star that they want to sell. So I think you are going to see more of Jackson Trio, you know, potential there. I think he, out of the four that we've talked about, Jefferson Quiro is another guy who's hit a bunch of home runs this year for Biloxi, but he's not necessarily known for his power. So I won't put Quiro as part of that conversation. I think if I had to power rank, who would be the most likely derby guy for the Brewers? I think Trio is a clear number one in a couple years. I think next would be Adamas. I was going to go Weimer, but I'd say Adamas. Then I'd say Weaver. Then I'd say Rowdy. That would kind of be my order. Uh, but so I, I do think we'll see Jackson Trio in a couple, couple derbies. I don't know when, but he will be in those. And it'll be a lot of fun. And it makes it... I, I think the other cool thing about the derby is a lot of casual fans watch, right? So non-Brewer fans are watching this and being like, oh man, do I need to go out and see Trio? Like, I might, I don't know if I will, but Julio Rodriguez is definitely a guy that when the Mariners come to Milwaukee next year, I probably want to go watch Julio Rodriguez if I can't. We'll see. I mean, you know, you never know how the schedule pans out, but that would be a guy that would be on my short list of dudes to see. I've been tempted. I'm, we're busy that weekend, unfortunately, because I really actually like the Milwaukee Brewer, uh, Bears crew knock. But I kind of I did want to see that Atlanta Braves team, and even though it could be ugly. Uh, but I'm I'm busy all weekend. Maybe I could go Sunday. Uh, we'll see. Uh, think about that for myself. But your boy's busy. Boy's got a house project, so it's it's not it's not all rainbows and unicorns over here at the Tab and the Keg household. You know what I mean? Like got shit to do. I uh, got ceiling tiles to put in. Got rails to figure out got all this other stuff you know it's 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 a hard knock life anyways uh did getting back to the point the last thing i wanted to bring up was my wife asked me a question when she was watching the derby with me she was like could you hit one home run out of this stadium and i played baseball until i was 10 or so so i haven't swung a baseball bat and god knows how long i can't tell you when i don't play any softball teams i would play but i haven't played in a long time so I have not swung a baseball bat. I know how to swing a baseball bat. I have a decent amount of raw power, if you will. Uh, I'm a big guy. I have, I've lifted weights. Uh, so, But I've never really known how far a ball can fly. It's a great question. I think with an aluminum bat, no doubt, 
right? I think you get a hold of one and let it absolutely fly into the stands. I think with a metal, with a wood bat, I don't know. I, I, I want to boast my chest. I want to hit my chest and be like, yeah, I could hit one out of the stadium. I think if I was given 20 tries, I probably, yeah, 20 tries, soft toss, I think I could square up on one. I think I would need to practice, right? Like, I don't think I could come in cold and just say, all right, I'm going to now try to hit, hit one out of the park. Like, I would need, like, batting cage, like, warm-ups, like, get myself acclimated to hitting baseballs again. And if I was acclimated into hitting baseballs again, how it felt, what I needed to do, and a little bit of an understanding of how to launch the ball, I think I could get it out of the ballpark. I, I really do. I, I maybe, maybe that's dumb. Maybe that's stupid of me. I think if you give me 20 tries, I think there's there's a chance I can do it. But I, like I said, I couldn't come in cold. I'd, I'd have to work at it. Like I'd have to go to the batting cages a couple different times before I'm stepping up to the plate. Because again, I haven't played, I haven't played fucking baseball in I don't know how long. Uh, but you know, it, who knows? Maybe you know, latter part of my career, my my career, my life, I end up being a softball guy and I play more, and then then maybe my answer is entirely different. I don't, I'm not sure, but yeah, I would love to know what you guys how how you guys think you would handle that if you could get one out of the ballpark or not, uh, and how many swings you think it would take. If you if you were given 20 swings, could you get one out of American Family Field or T-Mobile Stadium since that's where they were and did the Derby this year. Uh, that's that's food for thought, something to think about uh, as you uh, go on through the workday. And a great thing to pop in the group chat and tell people to, hey, listen to this podcast. Uh, not only does he talk about Wisconsin sports, but he also you know dicks around about different things he could or could, he could, or could not do uh, in terms of athletic ability. That'll do it for today's show, though. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, uh, it'll just be me again. And then it'll be Mitch and I. Yes, Tevin Gag returns uh, for our Thursday show. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, I have not formulated the topics just yet. I actually have a few things in mind. It's going to be a choose-your-own-adventure for our guy, Mitch. Basically, he's going to choose whether we're doing Evergreen and then some other stuff or if we're doing a brewer-focused one. So stay tuned to that. And if we are doing the brewer-focused one, you'll have it just me doing it. We'll do Packer defense as well. Uh, so that'll probably be a bulk of tomorrow's show. All right. Take care, guys. Have yourself a great Tuesday and enjoy the All-Star game. We'll be back tomorrow. See you. Bye.